This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. Welcome to Coastal Sermons, a weekly podcast designed to inspire and instruct people in walking out their faith. These are recordings of our Sunday gatherings where we broadcast the weekly messages from our campus in beautiful seaside Berlin, Maryland. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or find our full video library on our YouTube channel at Coastal Community Church in Maryland. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Um, We've been going through this this series of Well Done, um, which comes from Matthew 25 when Jesus says in his parable, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And Pastor Brian, Trevor, and myself and the teaching team have been going through this series, and we started by saying that the idea is to recognize that we are called to be ready and to be multiplying, and we're looking at these three parables. We're looking at the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the bags of gold or bags of talents, and also the parable of the sheep and the goats. And all of those parables are combined as Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand the importance of being ready and be multiplying the kingdom of God. And at the end, the hope is to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So last week, um, you heard here about good, right? You were here? hopefully, right? We talked about good, and what does it mean to be good? And we talked about how good is not good enough, because at the end of the day, there's only one who is good, and that's God. And the idea is that we need to be doing what God wills, not what we will, because at the end of the day, what we will pales in comparison to what God wills, and his will is what's good. And today, we're going to be asking the question, what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be faithful? Now, the word faithful has two main definitions. The first definition has to do in regards to a marriage with a spouse, being faithful to one's spouse or being truthful to one's spouse, being only for the one. That means to be faithful. And that actually ties in Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Here we're seeing the faithfulness of the bride. The bride is still a virgin awaiting her one and only bridegroom who is coming and has her lamps, her lamp trimmed and ready for him. He is the only one that she focuses on. It's that faithfulness, that truthfulness, that that's, I'm true to you. I'm reliable to you. I'm trustworthy to you and you alone. That's the first thing of faithful, which comes in that first parable. And the second definition of faithful is also to be trustworthy and reliable, which we see in the second parable in verse 14, which says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. See, he entrusted his wealth to them because they were trustworthy servants. They were reliable. They have proven to be reliable, and he chooses to entrust them with what he has. So being faithful is not just being Faithful and true to a spouse, it's also being trustworthy and reliable. Does that make sense? We all there? That's what it means to be faithful. So we need to delve a little bit deeper into what this looks like. So let's go ahead and look at this parable. We're going to focus on the second parable today, the parable of the, of the bags of gold. So in your Bibles, why don't you read with me, starting in verse 14. And it says this. 
Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two bags more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good, faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked Lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is a difficult parable sometimes because it's sort of out of context. How many of you have slaves and servants at home? Good. So no one, right? It's just not in our culture. And I think sometimes when we talk about slaves, when we talk about servants, we tend to have a very 21st century Western perspective on what that looks like. Because when we're talking about here... In this parable is obviously, we talked about this the first week, this is about multiplying the kingdom of God. But I want to delve a little bit deeper into what's happening here because the word here in your Bible that says servant is actually the Greek word doulos. And we need to talk about the difference between the Greek word doulos and the Greek word diakonos because they're two different words. Doulos, I have it on my arm, all right, tattooed forever, all right? Doulos is different then diakonos. Diakonos, the second word in Greek, is actually the word where we get deacon from. All right, deacon. A deacon or diakonos is a word that means attendant or servant, specifically usually of the king. An attendant or servant of the king, that's where we get deacon from. You're an attendant or servant for God in the church. You're a deacon. Does that make sense? That's the idea. So it's a servant, but doulos is different. Doulos is a slave. Now, when we think of this, this is why we got to talk about this, Chris Field, all right? Slavery in the Bible is not like slavery in our world today. The slavery of our world today is reprehensible and disgusting and not what God intended. If you go all the way back to the very early chapters, and some people really struggle with this because they go, why is there slavery in the Bible? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? We have to understand that slavery in the Bible is so much different than what it is now. 
it has been completely twisted and lost its true meaning. What if I told you back then, slavery was a way to help the homeless? This is something that we don't realize because we think of slavery and we think of like oppression. But back in the biblical days, if you beat or abuse your slave, they were set free immediately. That's why in Genesis chapter 16, when Sarai abuses Hagar, she flees to the desert. She had every right to leave. She wasn't a runaway slave. She was free to go because she had been abused. But then she turned to God and God said, go back because I have something better for you. Go back. It's okay. This is what we need to understand. There's something different. God is trying to tell his people, here's how you are going to help others. Slavery is not, you got to get that Western mindset of slavery out of your mind because it's nothing like that. Any type of abuse, it's done. So back then, slavery, there were three ways that you could become someone's slave. Number one, you owed them a debt. How many of you have a mortgage? You're enslaved, all right? Like, that's just what it is. You, be, you, you owe a debt, you then pay off that debt by serving this person. That's how it works, until you pay off the debt. The second way you can become a slave is if you are homeless and need a place, you need someone to provide for you because you can't provide for yourself. So you choose to submit to this one person, into their family, in order to have what you need to live. And the third way, oh, I almost forgot the third. Oh, yeah, the third way... <laughs> Should have written it down, right? The third way is if you were part of during, because back in that day, there was a lot of war, there was a lot of conquest, and afterwards, if your life was spared, you would then have the opportunity, well, I say opportunity, let me explain what that means for those of you who are like, what? All right, like, to be, to be a slave of a house. Now, here's the thing about slavery. When you were a slave, you were treated as family. You were not possession. You were taken under the cloak of protection of that, 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 that house, They fed you. They clothed you. You were part of the family. They treated you as part of the family. You lived with them. They provided what you needed. You helped them with the things that they needed help with. It was like one big happy family, full house, right? Like this is what it was. But God put something in effect, which is beautiful. In Leviticus chapter 25, he did what's called the year of Jubilee. And what that was is after 49 years, seven sevens, After 49 years, on the 50th year, all debt was wiped away. All slaves were set free every 50th year for the Jewish people. All lands that were were taken were given back. Everything was completely put back the way it was. Your, your, Your debt was paid. So if you were a slave and you owed someone, you owed your master a debt, that 50th year comes Debt's paid. You're free to go. Go ahead. But here's where due loss comes in. Due loss were the slaves whose debt was paid, but they chose to go back to the master and say, I choose to serve you the rest of my life because of the gratitude I have for what you've done for me. This is the difference, right? I don't think we'd see any of that happening in our world today. It's a completely different view. And unfortunately, we tend to twist scripture to say what we want it to say in our context, and we miss the original context. And when you understand the original context, you go, wow, that's a really great way to help people who are homeless who need to get back up on their own two feet. That's a great way to help someone who's in debt to take them into your household so that they can pay off the debt and then set it free after 50 years. Like, this is great. God was trying to set a way for people to work together to glorify him. 
but we've twisted it as people and turned it into something way worse. You understand? You see where, see where we're going from here? So do loss, again, the one who comes back because of gratitude and says, I choose to serve you the rest of my days. In fact, all throughout Scripture, diakonos, Paul says, I'm a minister for the gospel. The actual word there that we translate minister is diakonos. I am a servant of the king. But then later, all the apostles, Peter, Paul, Timothy, they all say, I am nothing if I am not a doulos, bond slave of Christ, slave of Christ, doulos Christu. This is what they're saying. Jesus has paid my debt, but I choose to serve him the rest of my life because of the gratitude of him paying that debt for me. Do you see that? That's the beautiful imagery of what a doulos is. It's a bond slave, which actually makes this passage so much worse. These aren't diakonos. These are the master's doulos. The ones who said, I will serve you the rest of my life, they're the ones he entrusts his money with. You see, the doulos, when they came back and they said, I want to serve you the rest of my day, they'd be pierced with a gold earring and they'd be placed at the highest level in the house. The highest, most entrusted, most reliable. He chooses his three most reliable slaves who have chosen to serve him. And the one goes, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna bury it in the dirt. And then I'm gonna go ahead and say some things that are sort of jabbing at you that I'm not happy with you. What? After all he's done for you? After how much he loves you, after how much he's entrusted with you, you're going to do that? Do you see how much worse that is? That's what's happening in Matthew 25. The bond slave is the one who betrays the master and isn't trustworthy, isn't reliable. So when he says, be gone, you wicked servant, he's actually saying, you wicked bond slave. Or well done, my good and faithful bond slave. This is what is being said here. Now, Jesus is saying this about year three of his ministry to his disciples, and all of his teachings, if you look at the New Testament, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tend to compile upon one another and get to the culmination. So let's go back, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, because I think there's something important here about faithfulness that we need to understand that Jesus talks about during the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 says this. Follow along with me. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot, even, you cannot make one hair white or black, all you need to simply say is yes or no, and anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And Jesus talks about this a lot all throughout Scripture, but one of the things he's trying to say is you need to let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're truly a faithful bond slave, if you're truthfully a faithful one, your yes would be yes, your no would be no. You would be trustworthy and you would be reliable. Because back then, what Jesus is hitting at, and he actually talks about it again in Matthew chapter 23, he looks at the, he looks at 
the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who are supposed to be the intermediate between God and man. And they swear these oaths. But they would word them in a way that's sort of like, well, I was crossing my fingers behind my back and you didn't notice. I don't have to actually do that. Their yes wasn't really their yes and their no wasn't really their no. And they're tricking people and trying to get out of what they said. And God's like, you shouldn't even have to make an oath because your yes should mean something. Your no should mean something. But we have this lovely word in our language that gets us out of everything, right? Maybe. (laughs) Well, maybe. Maybe. No, yes or no. Now, if you need time, say, I just need time. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you next week. Cool. Yes or no. Right? And this is what God's trying to say. He says, Jesus wants you to be trustworthy. He wants you to be a bond slave who is trustworthy and faithful. And when he entrusts something to you and you say, yes, I got it, he knows you got it. So you might be saying, wow, Pastor Mike, this is great. There's a lot of stuff here, but what does this mean for us? What does this mean for me? God wants you to be reliable. He wants you to be faithful. Remember, it's faithful in two aspects. Do you guys know what God constantly calls Israel and and the Jews? The faithless ones. The ones, the nation that whores itself out to the other nations. It's all throughout scripture. Because they constantly are going against God and going into the world. Worshiping other gods, worshiping other things, to the point where they're actually worshiping other gods in the temple where they're supposed to worship God. This is how wicked it's gotten. If you look all throughout Scripture, it's constant. And this is why the book of Hosea was written. If you've ever read the book of Hosea, it's a prophet who was called by God to marry a prostitute. What? Yeah. And he constantly is pursuing her and pursuing her until she, and she keeps leaving and keeps leaving and keeps leaving and keeps coming back and keeps leaving and keeps coming back. And it's this beautiful imagery of God and his people. How God is continually pursuing and pursuing and pursuing, but his people keep turning and turning and turning. Maybe you're that person today. God's continually pursuing you, but you keep turning away. You keep turning away to yourself or the world, or your vices. God's saying, I want you to be faithful. I'm faithful to you. I want you to be faithful back. This is a relationship. It's two-sided. It's not one. I need you to reciprocate. Will you be faithful to me? Will you be with me? So I have a question for you to think about as we end today. Are you faithful with your coworkers? Are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? Is your yes being yes, your no being no? Are you faithful with your boss? Can he trust you or she trust you? Are you faithful with your friends? Would they say you're a faithful person, that you're someone that they can trust? Now, that, that's like out here, right? Boss, coworkers, maybe friends are sort of out here. Let's go a little bit more inner, inner. Are you faithful with your parents? How about your kids? What about your spouse? Are you truly trustworthy in every aspect of your life? Are you faithful and reliable? Now, we could stop there and everyone goes, oh man, that was a great message, but here's the reality. There's one more that we keep forgetting. Are you faithful with God? 
Are you faithful with God? The one relationship that should mean the most in your life, are you trustworthy and reliable with him? When you said, I want to serve you the rest of my days, do loss, are you really serving him? Or are you serving yourself and what you want and what you desire? Because here's the reality, church. In your heart, figuratively, there's a throne. There's only two people that can sit on that throne. You or God. That's it. Every single decision you make, there's someone on that throne. And unfortunately, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the time it's us. It's not God. And God's saying, I want you to serve me. We talked about this. You, you're not good. Only God is good. Let me be on the throne. Let me work through you. Choose to trust me, to rely on me, because I am always faithful. And I want you to be faithful as well. Because the more you become like me, the more faithful you will become. Church, I encourage you as we reflect on this, ask yourself, are you faithful with God? Where are you? Where does he stand in your ranking? I like to say this. I I did youth ministry for 16 years, and I used to always say to the kids, here's my question. If I were to pull five random people from your school, for you it would be five random people from your work, and I said, what makes this person who they are? Would God even end up on that list? Would the fact that you're a follower of God even make it on the list? How about 10? How about 20? How about 30? Would God even be in that? That's the question. Because if we're truly faithful, God would be one. Of course, that person is a Christian. They love God with everything and they do everything for him. And look, I'm telling you this. I struggle with this too. I'm a sinner too. I'm not perfect. Not by any means. Don't ever think that I'm perfect. Because if you do, you got it wrong. God is, not me. We all struggle with this. We all need to wrestle with this. We all need to pray about this and work on our faithfulness to God as well as with others. So I'm going to invite our prayer team up. They're going to be standing up here in the corners and during this this last time. It's not even going to be a song. It's just a time of reflection. I encourage you to pray. Right where you're at, pray to God. Be like, God, hey, I need, to, I need to get some things straight with you right now because I'm not there yet. And I'm wrestling with stuff. And then if you need to receive prayer, please come up and receive prayer. I, I love to say this. You best not be afraid to just walk up here and get prayer because we all need it. We all need it. We're all wretched sinners that need this. We cannot do this alone. And God wants us to do this in community together. So come receive prayer. Let's use this last time to ask the question, Am I faithful to God? Is my yes, yes, and my no, no? Am I reliable? Am I trustworthy? If not, what do I need to change? Where is my relationship? Because God desires so much from you. And we should want to serve him because of the gratitude of what he's done for us. That's what drives us to serve him. So I'm going to pray. We're going to pray, and then we'll close out. But take this time. Let let me open us in this time of prayer. Lord, I pray that you work on our hearts.
pray that you reveal our true hearts to us right now, God, that we can see where we fall short. And Lord, help us to desire to change that, to be more faithful to others and to you, to love you, to serve you, to put you first in our lives. And God, I pray that every single person in this room who needs prayer, Lord, that they would not only pray with you, but that they would receive that prayer this morning and that they would talk to someone about it. Because God, there is no shame amongst the body of Christ because we are all yours. Lord, we lift this time of reflection up to you.